0: Welcome to week four of our Presence People series. Um, We've actually covered a lot of ground in the last number of weeks, and I'd really encourage you to have a listen on the podcast if you've missed any of those out. So, so far we have looked at being image bearers made for His presence. We've looked at what the manifest presence of God in our lives could look like how we were born to live with his face in view. And then last week, Bronis spoke about the person of the Holy Spirit, God's personal presence, who he is and what he does. And so what I'm aiming to do this morning is to build on that, really, talking about what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. But before we get started, um, I think it's important to pause and to acknowledge that there's actually something really beautiful and something very significant that I feel is happening um, as we are pressing deeply into this present series. And I almost have a sense that we're standing on holy ground. Breakthroughs are happening, and chains are breaking. And I think that as a church family, all of us are becoming that bit more like Jesus as we respond and as we really pursue his presence. I don't know if we have any Lectio 365 people in the room, but um, I love to to do that as one of my morning routines. Uh, and last week, there was a little part of one in particular that really captured me, so I thought I would share it with you guys this morning. And in light of this new building that we're so blessed with and talking about our opening and about our hopes and our dreams for this place, I thought it was really interesting. So this is it's a little dialogue that goes like this. I once had a conversation with a wise old woman about my desire for our church to gain influence, reach more people, and change many more lives. She interrupted me, shaking her head. No, 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 she said. Be careful. More isn't always a sign of growth. You can grow an influence. You can have lots more people, more money, more buildings. That's the part I want you to focus on. But if you haven't grown in the presence of Jesus among you and in his love for the poor, then what you're talking about isn't healthy growth at all. It's just swelling. And swelling is something that happens when something is infected or broken. And the title that particular morning was Growing in Depth Over Volume. So there's something I want you to think about as a bit of a launch pad this morning. It is a bit random, but you can work with me. If you knew that today was your last day on this earth, what final words would you want to leave your loved ones, your family, your friends with? I am pretty confident that it wouldn't be a recommendation of a decent Netflix series or a fancy restaurant that they should try out. No, you would want to leave your loved ones with something meaningful, something lasting that would stay with them always. I remember listening to some really heartbreaking recordings of people on the plane that was flown into the North Tower of the World Trade Center after it had been taken over by hijackers. And those desperate calls to husbands, to wives, to sons, to daughters, to parents, they were all messages communicating their love as deeply as they could in those terrifying moments. Jesus was on this earth in human form for 33 years. We know that he was crucified as a sacrifice for all of us, that he rose again after three days... And afterwards, he appeared to 500-plus people. And he then ascended to heaven to take his place at the right side of the throne of God. But what were Jesus' final words? What did he leave his much-loved disciples with before he was taken up before their eyes, a cloud hiding him from their sight? Well, we read them in Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, before the disciples were catapulted out to begin the work of the establishment of the early church, they had to receive something that was essential, and it was power from God. Now, interestingly, Jesus had spoken of this shortly before, because if we read Acts 4, it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In Jesus' final moments, On this earth, we see a reinforcement of this command, but it's a bit different, isn't it? Because this time, he actually clarifies why this has to happen, so that they can be his witnesses, not just locally, but right to the very ends of the earth. This was the ultimate gift of love that Jesus could have left them with. You know, he could have said, "Guys, I have loved spending time with you. I have loved journeying with you over the last number of years, but that isn 't what he did. I just lost my place bit me a minute. Instead, he gave them specific instructions which would release the master key to unlock a future where his presence in the form of the Holy Spirit would literally inhabit and go with them wherever they went. And as Brona rightly stressed last week, this was plan A. This was always plan A, never plan B. Because in John 16, verse seven, we read, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I love how Jesus didn't actually even have to say goodbye because he was never going to really leave them. His presence was just going to be different from the physical flesh and bones form that they had journeyed and done life with. And let's imagine that upper room for just a wee minute or two. In that upper room in Jerusalem, we see God's own immediate presence poured out upon all flesh. And to me, this occasion clearly demonstrates the wonder of the unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, but actually all very much interconnected and part of one another. Do you remember how Jesus had said in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and the Holy Spirit then comes as the Spirit of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to downplay the mystery of the Trinity in any way, because I don't actually think we're going to fully get our heads round it this side of heaven. But back to Acts 1 verse 4. So he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. There was obedience required here, wasn't there, on the part of the disciples? And actually, there was a bit of a lesson in learning how to wait on God's timing. Does anybody here find that easy? The whole waiting on God's timing thing? And it actually turned out they had 10 days to wait, which in my book is quite a while. And maybe for some of you this morning, you are struggling, struggling a little bit with waiting on God's timing for something in your own life. This was a command. It had to be a command because this infilling was necessary. In fact, it was essential for them to be And to do everything that he had created them to do and be. And in exactly the same way, all of us need the infilling of the Holy Spirit to live in the fullness of who we've been created to be, to live out our God-given destiny. And they did exactly what they were told, didn't they? And what an experience awaited them in that upper room. We read of the tongues of fire that came to rest upon their heads, empowering them, commissioning them, and releasing them, accompanied by the sound of the rushing wind, the roof of the Holy Spirit." Just picture the scene as best you can, because here we have the manifest presence of God resting upon and infilling every one of them more intimately than they would ever dared dream or imagine possible. All of them were filled. All of them were deeply touched. And as I was writing this, I really sensed the Holy Spirit asking me to pause at this moment, I strongly feel that there are some people here who are believing a lie from the enemy. I think that some of you actually believe, had you been in that upper room with those tongues of fire, the person to your left, the person to your right, everybody around you would have been touched, but you would have been left out because you're not good enough you're not worthy enough. You're not seen. And that lie, that deception, it needs broken off today. And actually, I really almost feel a sense of a righteous anger around this in terms of your father saying, enough. That lie needs broken off you today so you can be released into the fullness of everything God has for you. So please, please, please do not leave here without getting some ministry if you can resonate with that. As we start to get a little bit into why we need the infilling of the Spirit, let's think about a well-known character who I love. Let's think about Peter. So Peter, before this Pentecost experience, barely two minutes ago, obviously I'm not being literal, but you know the point I'm making, The man had denied even knowing Jesus out of fear for his life. And yet after this Holy Spirit encounter, there is no stopping him. You can see a complete transformation. He becomes this character who is so bold, so confident whenever he speaks. Because the Spirit has transformed Peter into everything he has destined him to be and do during this time on earth. Do you remember how how in Matthew 16, verse 8, before Peter had even denied knowing Jesus three times, Jesus had prophetically declared, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And here we see this prophecy absolutely coming to fruition because of the infilling of the Spirit. Which really makes me wonder, what about us? What transformation could take place in our lives as we lay down our own efforts and agenda, giving ourselves over to be filled by the Spirit? Corey Ten Boom, one of my absolute favorites, um, here's a little quote from her, which I loved. Trying to do the Lord's work in our own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. And the ministry of Jesus started to flow, not just out of Peter, but out of all of those who had been filled. And this really encourages me. It's not a case of these people suddenly became these perfect beings, all of their issues and their failings and their struggles just dissolved in some sort of a vapor. But in giving of themselves fully, we beautifully see God's strength made perfect in their weakness. I really sense Jesus saying... This morning, to some people in particular. Some of you are struggling just to survive as you navigate this life with all of its challenges. But with the gift of my spirit, you can thrive. It's really important to know that in that moment when we give our hearts and our lives to to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to make his home in our hearts. And this is made really clear in Ephesians 1, verses 13 to 14. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. But here's the thing. There's a need for an infilling of the Holy Spirit, sometimes referred to as baptism of the Holy Spirit. But in Christian circles, there's actually some controversy around this, because you have certain people who argue that we don't actually need an infilling beyond the salvation deposit of the Holy Spirit that we just talked about. Honestly, people can go in circles with all of this stuff, but I think it's actually more about getting and having a bit of an understanding of what the fullness of the Holy Spirit can look like in our lives. Because at the end of the day, until we have encountered the Holy Spirit, it's pretty much all just an argument, isn't it? A. W. Tozer says this. It's one thing to read about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and quite another thing to experience the mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit that radically changes our life to a life of adoring wonder and amazement at the things of God. Reading and experiencing are two quite different things. Now, up to the start of this week, I drove a little Mini Cooper, which I loved. I always wanted a Mini, but I had to wait till my kids grew up because it wasn't very practical. Um, but unfortunately, you guys need to be clean. Unfortunately, um, after a trip to Belfast this week, I'd suffered what the RAC man said, I thought, quite dramatically. But this is maybe just how they term it. He said, you have catastrophic engine failure. Now, hands up, there were signs. A while ago, like, my little Mini started to feel a bit rough to drive. Everything took a bit more effort, and it was less smooth. In fact, you probably did hear me driving into the car park at one point because I sounded like a wannabe racer driving in that thing. But then we discovered that it was an issue of the oil leaking. And so for it to drive smoothly at all, I needed to keep topping up the oil, until the start of this week, that is. So my poor wee car is now destined for the scrap paper, rest in peace. I'm a bit sad. And over the years, I have come to realize that that's actually quite like me, because I need to be filled up by the oil of the presence, the oil of the Holy Spirit, if I am to live out and if I'm to flow in the kingdom life he has called me to. And we talked last week, Bruno had referred to the fact that we leak in our humanity. And that's why we need to invite his presence every day. And boy, can I see the difference when I don't. Ephesians 5 says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. People very often drink to drown their sorrows, as the saying goes, to try to dull life's challenges and pain, maybe to feel a bit more confident about themselves, but it's no solution and it can result in a loss of control and really poor decision-making. But Jesus is saying there's a different way. There's a different way to live, which will result in an authentic, Empowered life, thriving as opposed to surviving. Back to your verse for a wee second. It says, Be filled. Be filled implies here a continuous, a regular filling, doesn't it? And it's what we call an imperative verb, which basically means it's a command. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Now, my baptism of the Holy Spirit as a teenager was absolutely a significant moment for me. But I recognize that I can grow, lukewarm and I can lose that sense of closeness with Jesus if I don't intentionally lift my eyes to his face, seeking and inviting his presence. And in case any of you are wondering, there's no magic formula for this, guys. At the start of a new day, it is simply asking the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can carry his presence and walk through the day being guided by him in all our interactions and in everything that we do. And another thing that I want to say this morning is this. God wants, in fact, more than that, God longs to pour out his presence on his people. Joel 2 verse 28 talks about how he longs to pour out his spirit on all flesh because that's been his plan since the very beginning and it's still his will for us today. I would love to talk you through the difference that the infilling of the Holy Spirit makes in our lives. So I'm kind of going to talk a little bit about my own experience, and hopefully that will be helpful for you guys. His Spirit brings in me a really deep, holy peace an assurance that I'm His and that He is mine. And honestly, I need daily assurances that it's okay because I'm not actually in control in my life. And in the light of his face, things that maybe appear overwhelming or threatening or unsettling, they appear less so. And insecurities that I have, and guys, we all have them, they lessen in his presence. I think for me, it comes down to realigning myself with his sovereignty over all things, because honestly, it works wonders and it fairly takes the pressure off me. Reading his word and speaking it over my life is a really key part of this, such as Psalm 32 verse 8, which says, I will give you insight and instruct you in the ways that you should go. My confidence grows in who he is, but also who he has made me to be. And I find myself with more boldness to do whatever he might be asking. So a little example maybe of that is this Um, I recently felt that Jesus was asking me to compose an email to my work colleagues, inviting them to come to a set-aside time, and I felt inspired to call it Breathe. And the whole idea of that is it's just time to, to literally take time out to breathe in His presence, to be still in His presence, lifting our eyes up to Jesus and placing our school under His Lordship. Now, I know that this will not have been embraced or even understood by a number of my colleagues. But you know what? Because I knew Jesus was in it, because I knew his presence in this, I was all right with that. I wasn't actually too concerned about what anybody might think or even say about that happening. I love praying with people. It's one of my absolute favorite things to do. And the thing is, guys, when we are in the presence and filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, it releases power as we minister to to others. Uh, Maybe as we're praying over sickness in his name or other situations where we need to see the kingdom of God come. And when I draw really close to him, He gives me a confidence and a renewed faith and passion to see his kingdom come, to see uh, breakthrough in those moments of life as we press in. If you know me at all, you will not be shocked to hear that I'm a people person. It's uh, a complete privilege to pastor within this church family. But at the same time, I am really well aware that I am very human, and like everybody else, I can become tired, I can become wrapped up in my own stuff, and my own family, leaving energy reserves sometimes feeling a bit depleted. And that's why I need, and I am so incredibly grateful for the infilling of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because from this place, I experience once again his love, his heart for me, which then spills over and spills out, increasing my heart and compassion for others and a passion and an energy to hopefully love well. Do you know it's really about more of him and less of me? Spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in us. God's heart is to release and to empower us in terms of our spiritual gifts for his glory and the advancement of his kingdom. There are nine gifts, nine major power gifts which are supernatural, they're miraculous, manifestations direct from the Holy Spirit himself. Now, I don't have time to read that passage, but if you want to have a wee read, it's 1 Corinthians 12, and you will find um, that there. I don't want to miss out on any spiritual gifts that God might choose to give me for his glory. I'm so limited in what I can bring as Debbie, and I actually feel a responsibility to be empowered in this way as I help pastor in this church family and where God has placed me outside of here. If we're to be presence people, we must be recipients of the Holy Spirit in terms of receiving the love of Jesus. Galatians 5 tells us that looks like love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I'm talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And these are both what the Spirit does in us and what he does through us as instigator of all things. We first receive them as a manifestation of the love of God for us, and then they cultivate within us for the blessing of others effectively that we would then start to overflow with the fruit of the love we have eaten from and allowed to pollinate and grow and ripen in our hearts and our lives. I love how the Holy Spirit sometimes directs my daily activities with heavenly whispers. I think that's the best way I would describe it. I ask for and receive just little promptings that in the natural don't maybe seem like much. A while ago, I was looking online for a little verse and an image um, which would bring God's comfort to your recently bereaved friend. And I was specifically asking him to direct me as I did it. And so one image just stood out for me. It's almost as if all the other images faded into the background. And I had this sense of, yep, that's the one. So I sent it. And later on, I found out that that particular image was an exact representation of the meaning of the name of the loved one who had passed. I could never have orchestrated uh, that myself without the Holy Spirit's direction. And it brought such confirmation of God's presence and his love, his care, and his intimate knowledge um, of that loved one. So much was demonstrated through that simple act, which meant so much to the family. Going to read you a little quote. This is Andrew Murray, who was uh, a gifted church leader in 19th century South Africa. So there we go. You've learned something today. Being filled with the Spirit is simply this. Having my whole nature yielded to his power, when the whole soul is yielded to the Holy Spirit, God himself will fill it. So this is talking about the whole soul being yielded to the Holy Spirit. And I think, guys, that there's there's a key term that underpins everything we're talking about here today, and it is the term surrender. And I get that fully surrendering, it can be hard. It can be daunting at times. For example, when bringing traumas of the past before Jesus so that a process of healing can start to take place. But we can trust the Holy Spirit's goodness and gentleness as he ministers to us. You know, Jesus knows that we cannot do life as Christians without him. God is very realistic. and I'm really grateful for that. Because remember, Jesus lived on this earth in human form. He gets the challenges. He gets the confines. He gets the limitations of living within these mortal bodies. Time and time again, we read, don't we, of Jesus withdrawing to spend time with his father for that very reason when he walked on the earth. He couldn't fulfill his mission without him. And Jesus was without sin. But it's really important to recognize here this morning that there are some stumbling blocks which can get in the way of the Holy Spirit freely flowing uh, through in and through our lives. Clear, unconfessed sin can be a barrier. We know that sin separates us from God. Harboring unforgiveness can also lead to a real separation. Another significant stumbling block is occult practice. Dabbling even in the past with Ouija boards, fortune tellers, tarot readings, horoscopes, giving an opening for those things to speak into our life and our destiny. But fear not, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But it's really important to know that these are holes which can and actually must be broken and brought under the lordship of Jesus, who loves to bring freedom to our lives. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Holding back can actually be a stumbling block as well. Not surrendering fully, because maybe you're not quite sure that you can 100% trust what that might look like. So you hold on to that sense of being in control, to a degree at least, with everything that you've got. And if this is you this morning, I would love to remind you of the heart and the character of your father, because he is a good, good father who has good gifts for his children. Luke 11 says this, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit comes in different ways at different times, sometimes depending on the seasons that we're walking through. My observations over the last number of weeks have been that there have been quite a few tears that have been shed in this place as the Holy Spirit's ministered and as he has been bringing freedom to people. And this is a really natural response. And we'd love to encourage you all to go with the flow, literally, if you find yourself in this position. And guys, this is a safe place. This is family. And as we continue this present series, we would love to encourage you to open yourselves up, maybe more fully than you ever have before. Allow your emotions to engage. Lay down control. Maybe you need to ask his help to do that. And whether or not there are immediate emotional signs, be confident that if you invite him, God is close and he will draw near and he will move and bless you. We respond, as I said, at different times in different ways, and the Holy Spirit can actually manifest himself in different ways as well. And I'm just going to take two minutes to help us get a little bit of understanding around the symbols of the Holy Spirit, um, because I think that that actually helps us understand what he's like, the ways he comes to penetrate our lives. So this can look like oil. Oil. In the Bible, oil is always a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in lives. It's the oil that keeps the fire burning. It can signify healing, equipping, anointing. And we read about anointing quite a lot in the the Scripture, don't we? The oil of the Scripture is directly related to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, think about the parable of the the 10 virgins in Matthew 29, we must have a reserve of oil to keep our lamps filled. Water, a sense of the cleansing, the washing, a refreshing and a nourishing that only the Holy Spirit can bring when we feel really dry and thirsty and dirty. Think of the woman at the well where Jesus says in John 4, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, it will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Fire. There are times when we will receive a touch from the Holy Spirit which purifies, which purges, making us holy, almost like a fresh, empowering wave igniting our hearts with like a new fiery passion and energy. Reminds me again just of those tongues of fire that we read about on the day of Pentecost. Wind. You may have heard of the wind of the Spirit God breathing light, breathing into your life, signifying power and direction, maybe a little reminder of the unpredictability and the wildness of the, the adventure that we are all on. A spirit-led adventure, a calling to step out into this, in the secure knowledge that the Holy Spirit goes before us, so there's no need to fear. Remember the rushing wind, rushing wind we spoke of on the day of Pentecost, the rake of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're coming into land, uh, as we like to say in this church. You'll be glad to hear. As a church, our heart is that we would understand more fully and would actually really surrender and embrace this infilling and all that it brings to our lives For our own sakes, yes, but not just for our own sakes. For the sake of all the people in this town who desperately need to encounter Jesus and be filled with his life-breathing presence and love as well. The plans for the Spirit-filled Peter were great. The destiny written over your life is too. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. It's one of my favorites, Jeremiah 29 verses 12 to 14. I sense the Holy Spirit gently inviting us all to surrender our hearts and our lives to Him that little bit more this morning. His heart is to draw close, to fill each of us afresh with His presence as we open ourselves up to receive everything that He has for us. And in terms of response, if the band actually want to head up, he, that would be brilliant. In terms of response this morning, There's an invitation for all of us to be filled. But maybe let's remember the areas that that I felt God raised as I was preparing this talk through as well. The tongues of fire passing you by picture, that was such a strong sense. And I know that that freedom needs to come to a certain number of people here today. Feeling like you're surviving rather than thriving. The control thing, holding you back from full surrender. Maybe a struggle with the waiting for God's timing thing that we can stand and pray with you about. And then there are the potential stumbling blocks that I looked at with you. Unforgiveness, unconfessed sin, and occult practice. Let's bring ourselves before Jesus and uh, let's worship him together and open ourselves up to see what he wants to do for our last few minutes this morning.